When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Hour number two, light the tower on the horn. Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker, the vacationing Craig Way, still out. So we found out that Cameron lives a sheltered life, doesn't really watch movies. That's not true. I just don't watch movies from the 90s that feature Snoop Dogg. And... Uh, that movie came out in 2001, sir. I'll have you know. Okay. okay. I apologize. Don't, don't date me more than I'm already dated. I told you the one embarrassing uh, age discrimination incident I had in my life, right? Mm-mm. So this was 2009, and I remember it because we had gone to a watch party to watch the Texas-Louisiana-Monroe game to open the 09 season because the game, the game was on pay-per-view. So we went over to a, house, a friend's house to watch it, watching the game. And Oklahoma's playing BYU that night's first college game at uh, AT&T Stadium. Okay. Sam Bradford got hurt. Got That's right. Slammed on his shoulder and got hurt. Oklahoma's, I think, was number three in the country start the year that year. And so anyway, before it starts, you know, we're in the pool and everything and get out and it's like, uh, hey, I, let's go, you know, do what you need to do before the game starts. It's a beer run. Got to make a beer run. Make it out make an alcohol run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go to H-E-B. There was a nearby H-E-B. And again, I'm not, it's an H-E-B's fault. No, no ill will toward yeah, H-E-B. Yeah, careful with uh, some H-E-B slander. No, there would be no H-E-B slander under my watch, sir. As long as, for as long in my life as I ate Hill Country Fair products, there will be no slander. By the way, you know, like, you like Asian food, Cam? Yeah. Dude, you make a really good lunch. Go to H-E-B, like in the dick, where the, they have like the take-home meals. Mm-hmm. Get you like a bowl of chicken fried rice and some egg rolls. See, I'm not a big fan of those they make. Are we, I think we're just going to have to. Compared to everything else HEB's made, it's great, but they're, they're chicken fried rice and all of that. Eh. Chicken teriyaki bowl? It's all right. It's all right. Dude, they we're going to have to Greco-Roman wrestle better. in the middle of the studio. You keep disagreeing. Compared to other Asian food? Around this town, which has great spots for chicken fried rice and chicken teriyaki and orange chicken. No, it's, it does not compare. I'm but sorry, it should be. If you're on the go, though. If you're on the go? Like, they got, there's a lot more options at HEB on the go you can hit from. I'm going to go on the other side of that glass and drop <laughs> let's, kick After this show, let's go to the HEB. It's, we, it's a great HEB right here in Westlake. And we'll, we'll go through all the options, and I guarantee you, 
chicken fried rice does not compare to anything that H-E-B puts out for lunch. Oh, I like I like just about everything H-E-B puts out. Yeah, I'm saying they have great food, but their chicken fried rice, their chicken teriyaki, it's not their best. What what what's your go- well, what, when you go to H-E-B for lunch, what do you what do you grow with? So their their chicken salad has been really good. What do they put in the chicken salad? I don't know. What goes in chicken salad? Well, mayonnaise? Well, you put a little little some grapes, a little bit of mayonnaise. They have they have like a you the get cranberry. The chicken and you got some cranberries, it up, some onions, maybe some celery, some walnuts. They also have like their fried chicken meals, mac and cheese. Get some off good. Well, HEB has has do they have are they like Kenny Powers and a lot of different macaroni and cheeses? I think it's just it's the basic <laughs> Basic cheese. I you hear that uh there was that promo going around it was like I guess it was like a Twitter clip or something, or a social media clip, an Instagram reel, something where uh Patrick Mahomes was on Kimmel and was talking about how catch up, oh, right? No, he's talking about the big party they had after the Super Bowl. It was like, oh, they had okay. the chain smokers there, everything was there. And it's like he sounds like Kenny Powers describing a party and it's that clip where Kenny's talking about all the the big parties he had and all different kinds of macaroni and cheeses. I'm like, man, I mean, different kinds of mac. How wide of a variety can you get with mac and cheese? That was the Super Bowl party for the Chiefs in terms of musical artists. Yeah, it's Chain Smokers and somebody else. I forget, but Mahomes really sounded like Kenny Powers. It probably wasn't Britney Spears. Uh, probably not. Probably not. If your budget was for the Chain Smokers, I'm guessing she'd be a little bit out of your price range. I don't know. She needs some good PR now. Uh, yeah, she could definitely use that. Uh, <laughs> Texture says, how stoned are you boys? This does sound like a stoner conversation, doesn't? No disrespect to stoner on the Specs text line. But no, I have. Uh, I can honestly say, listeners, I have never uh, gone down that road to smoke marijuana. I have not. So, Well, stoner might be up in uh, Arlington. He mentioned ponchos, so, you know, maybe... Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you, Texter, for getting me back on my beer run story. Um, so, anyway, I'm at HEB. <laughs> Where did we go I with just, that I don't one? know. I just did a Craig way. I just tried to go from the, the front door to the, what's Craig say, from the front door to the backyard and went around the barn to get there, something like that. You went around the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> went around the block. So, I'm in line at HEB, getting everybody's alcohol. I go to pay. You know, they hand me the money, and I go pay. Cashier asks for my ID. She looks at my ID, looks at me, looks at my ID, looks at me. She goes, oh, wow, you're a lot younger than you look. I'm like, always a great compliment. Thanks. So sorry, that wasn't a great story, but we just did get into some really good talk about macaroni and cheese. And where, where did that story start from? What was, Dude, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. Just just trying to make it to noon, Cam. That's all we're, that's all we're trying to do today, just make it to noon. Uh it's actually H-E-B. Get that cranberry pecan turkey salad sandwich or just eat it with crackers. Is he a big chicken salad guy, Cam? Yeah, I think so. All right. That's good to know. Uh, so I mentioned in the first hour, I was at Astros Mariners yesterday. Mariners ended up taking three or four from the Astros in that series. A, a real chance for Houston to, you know, Take at least a share of the L. West lead, especially with how bad the Rangers have played the last couple weeks. By the way, Julio Rodriguez, so freaking Boss. good. Had two stolen bases yesterday. He's played a really good brand of baseball in center field. Terrible start, but he's starting to starting to turn it up a little bit. Uh, so the Rangers are leading the division. The Astros are two back. What do we say the Mariners are back, Cam? Like five? They're five back? They're one over 500. I believe they're six games back with the Angels seven. 
Okay. Um, and then the Swing and A's are the only team in that division that's just not not doing anything. Uh, so, Cam, you're a Rangers fan, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. How how you feeling about things going into the All Star break? We'll see what they're going to do with it with a bullpen pitching. Um, that's been their biggest issue is loan a lot of leads. They had they had had a couple you know bad ones last week. Just got to figure out. They added a role this Chapman uh, for a pretty good deal. He had his issues last year with the Yankees. Um, you know, off the field doesn't really seem to be you know too into it right now. But you know, maybe uh, a change of scenery will be good for Chapman. But I mean, I don't I don't think the plan going in the season or the expectations was to win the AL West. It was just kind of let's let's compete, let's get back into the playoff race. And so I think if you said, hey, fifty two win team by the All Star break leading the AL West, I think you would have taken that. Now, of course, the last two weeks you're. You know, a little scared, but I think that the team is kind of, you know, regressing to regressing to the mean, a to little the bit. mean of what yeah. they probably were. They're a great offensive team, some great starting pitching, the bullpen not so great. Did you know the Astros at some point they're going to get Jordan back at some point? Yeah, Altuve. They're going to get Altuve back at some point. They'll get Michael Brantley back at some point, maybe. Hopefully, I don't know. That's a weird rehab deal. It's seems like a lot of stops and starts. I don't, I don't think Brantley's coming back. You don't think so? Okay. Yeah, you might be right because there's been, like, so many just – it's it's been a weird deal, though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens with Brantley. But uh, at the end of the day, look, the Astros are going to be in this thing all the way to the end. The Rangers seem like they're going to be all the way in the end. Cam, if they don't end up with one of the two wild card spots or the division, or you, if, if you have a playoffs, in other words, that does not include the Texas Rangers, are you going to be disappointed? Or yeah. is the, the trajectory enough that you're like, okay, I like where this thing is going? Well, I mean, that yes, yes and no. I think where the trajectory is going, happy with. I think that the team has you know turned into a playoff contender this year, uh, a chance to win a division. That's I think all Texas fans have been asking for since you know 2016, the last time they won the AL West. In terms of missing the playoffs, I think it would be a disappointment. I mean, I understand you're still kind of you know not rebuilding, but kind of getting back to where you want to be competitively. But when you have a 52-win season at the halfway mark, you got a two-game lead over the AL West. You got the second-best run differential. It would be disappointing to miss the playoffs, even at a wild card spot. Considering that means you guys, you know, you started off hot, but basically just completely fell apart the second half of the year. But I think the Rangers have a lot of moves to make. Now I know this year's trade deadline doesn't have a lot of big names like it's had in the past. So Texas, the Rangers are going to have to, you know, go deep into the well. But there's been years past under John Daniels where they've made some trades for a couple of pitchers um, that just did not work out because the trade deadline and the, the names available weren't great names, but Matt, they were trying Matt to Garza. win. Yeah, Matt Garza. Was Ryan Dempster a trade deadline? Ryan Dempster, the two names, exactly. Yeah, those are two names where you know, the market wasn't great, but they wanted to you know get one more ace to bolster their pitching reputation or their, their pitching staff and didn't work out for them. So what is this new management do because there's no more John Daniels how will they handle the trade deadline what moves will they make because there's not there's not you know there's not a like one singular move that you can make and be like okay that'll make the team better now you can say Shohei Otani but that's a that's a he's in a different level right now yes legalize it thank you uh three wild card spots yes um if I said two I apologize uh we were talking about baseball. I looked at the text line. I just forgot what I was going to ask you. But, um, oh, yeah, the Rangers with their draft, right? 
Like we've seen Chris Young's been at the helm for a couple of drafts now. It's a pretty good stroke of fortune to have Wyatt Langford yeah. just fall into their lap at four. Yeah, I think outfielder was a position of need for the Rangers. They did not expect Adolis Garcia to be this good. You know, rookie of the year last year in the AL, a home run derby participant tonight, an all-star. But, yeah, Wyatt Langford, uh, I mean, he batted three seventy three this past season. You're getting on. You're getting at least one hit every game you play in. Pretty good. And I think, you know, LSU winning the championship. I know Paul Skeens, best player in baseball. Uh, Dylan Cruz, possibly the best hitter in baseball. But, yeah, it definitely worked out because, I mean, Langford was a kid that in a lot of other drafts, he would have been the number one pick, Jeff. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was – I don't know if either one of the high school outfielders that went would have been considered for number one, but the three college players at the top of the draft, Skeens, Cruz, and Langford, any other year those guys are by far like consensus number one pick. Yeah. But you couldn't have gone wrong. It seems like – I was watching MLB Network's coverage. I, I pick, you know, because we were getting back from Houston. I picked it up late. It seemed like the the athleticism in this draft, the depth of this draft, in addition to being top heavy, is really good. Like there's there's teams, Cam, that are going to be picking guys in the third round, and in some years might have gone in the first. Like, yeah. this is a really really deep draft. So you mentioned, you mentioned Max Clark. He was the other high school outfielder. He went number three to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Walker Jenkins out of North Carolina. Their high school kid, he went number five to the Twins. And then uh, Jacob Wilson, who is not an outfielder, a shortstop, but he's from – actually, no, he won the Grand Canyon, so excuse me. So, yeah, so three of the high school kids. Son of former uh, Major League infielder yeah. Jack Wilson. Yeah, so – but, yeah, Lankford uh, at number four. Yeah. And then Blake Sitton, too, the uh, – or Blake Matthews, excuse me, the um, the Sinton – Blake Mitchell, third time's the charm. Blake Mitchell, the Sinton catcher. <laughs> Congrats to him. Top ten pick. Uh, Sinton, you know, one of the best high school baseball programs in the state of Texas, how about Gene Watson and the Royals yeah. making that night, making that selection? Yeah, I'm you think sure. you think Gino got down to the coast at some point? Check out Blake Mitchell. Oh, I think so. I mean, yeah. he was here not too long ago. I'm sure he yeah. saw some some scouting already. Yeah, um, no, that's that's awesome, man. Um, Sign with LSU, and I, I like Jay Johnson on the broadcast. I saw the clips later. He was like, "This was not this." He's like, "This was not unexpected. We knew this was going to happen." Uh, and Jay Johnson thinks the kid is a phenomenal talent, a catcher. Uh, you know what else surprised me, though, Cam, just running down the draft, just looking at where kids were from? I can't remember a draft. Maybe there has been. I can't remember a draft where there were this many kids from Big Ten schools. Nebraska had a couple of guys taken. Uh, I think Michigan State had one. You know, Maryland, you heard Rutgers. Uh, so a lot of Big Ten schools. And then just in general, kids from – pretty much from the Midwest on through the Rust Belt and then up through Pennsylvania and then into the Northeast, that whole swath that you really don't think about, you know, being an amateur baseball hub, seems like a lot of kids from those areas. It wasn't just like an inordinate number of kids from Texas or Florida or Arizona or California or wherever. The the states that you typically associate with putting out a lot of prospects. And, you know, a lot of these guys in the first round played Texas this year, too. Like you yeah. mentioned, the LSU guys, Skeens and Cruz, one and two. Texas played them game of the season. Uh, TCU, they had, I uh, was a Braden Taylor. He went 19 overall. Mm-hmm. Great shortstop. Tommy Choi, Tommy Stanford. Troy. Stanford. Uh, you know, he had Tommy a great Troy season. Tommy Choi didn't have a great super regional against Texas. And then also Kendall George, uh, Tascacita outfielder. So congrats to Kendall George. Arkansas, but, Arkansas signing. Yeah. But still waiting on – so let me ask you about – you asked me about Travis Sikora. What about Tanner Witt? Because Tanner Witt was a guy who, if not for the Tommy John surgery, 
last season probably would have been a higher draft pick, right? Comes back to Texas. He's projected in the mock drafts to be drafted today, possibly round yeah. three. What do you think happens with him? I think he goes. I mean, at that point, it's it's all about value, right? And you're getting a guy that has legitimate first-round talent. And I know, I know he didn't pitch well, especially later in the year. Wasn't really good in the, in the regional. Mm-hmm. Wasn't good in the super regional. But I think we saw in 21 as a true freshman just his stuff – out of the bullpen, especially especially that extended outing he had against Tennessee and Omaha, where he was just he was awesome. Uh, you know, you've seen his stuff play up. You know, he, you know he's you know he's got next level stuff, and I just think the value is going to be there. You're getting a guy that you know if if he were healthy, he would have been he'd be off the board already. And I think to get him in round three and to get him at a much lower signing price than you probably would have gotten him in the first round. Or what it would have taken to sign him? I, I think Tanner Witt's gonna gonna come off the board. And then what about LBJ, Dylan Campbell, Peyton Powell? What do you, what do you expect the Texas baseball roster to look like? Next LBJ year? is the most interesting guy for me in this draft because he's got the most leverage out of anybody. So he's a redshirt sophomore. He could come back next year, and again, in theory, have another year where he's got some leverage. Mm-hmm. So I would think if for LBJ, I, and I haven't talked to anybody at Texas about this, I would think for LBJ the asking price would have to be pretty high. Like if, if we get, I'd say if you get to like round eight and he's still on the board, then I think at that point you're thinking, okay, the asking price is probably really high and you're looking for whatever team structured their draft pool money. Maybe not for LBJ specifically, but to say, hey, with our with our tenth round pick, the last round we can do this, we need to make sure we save some money for one of those college arms that's probably gonna be there. To where you can pay them obviously way above slot, but to give them the kind of money it would take for them to sign. Specs Text Line is asking you, Jeff, are you a fan of the home run derby? One of the only all star festivities that I like watching. <laughs> you know, I'll be a hundred percent honest, when I was a kid. And I grew up my formative years watching baseball right in the heart of the steroid era. <laughs> I loved the home run derby. Yeah. Like watching, you know, Sosa and McGuire. Like, oh, my gosh, that's a 530-foot home run. And nobody ever stopped to think, hey, do you ever, ever think that this is a little, you know, a little ridiculous here, how far these guys – and plus, I was a Ken Griffey Jr. guy. George Kenneth Griffey Jr. is my favorite player of all time. And Jr. loved the home run derby. Jr. dominated the home run derby. I remember the year that he uh, – the 93 home run derby – when he hit a ball off the warehouse, Camden Yards, mm-hmm. hit it across the street to hit the warehouse. Um, I loved the home run derby when I was a kid. It's just now, I don't know, just doesn't really do a whole lot. It's kind of like the dunk contest. I'll watch the highlights, but that's not, for me at this point in my life, it's not stop-down TV. I don't hate it. It's just, I think it's one of those deals like when you're younger, it's cool, but then it's, you know, you've seen one, you've seen them all pretty much. Yeah, and I feel like with the dunk contest, like, it can't be tops. Like, we've already seen the best dunks, right? The Aaron Gordon year, you know, when he, when he, I believe he won the dunk contest from the second, like, yeah. in Zach Levine. Like, since then, since then, like, it just, it hasn't been the same. There's only, you know, only so much you can do with the dunk contest. And with a home run derby, I mean, you hit the ball far, that's about it. But it's, I mean, I think it's exciting to see. It's more about the names, right? Versus, like, this year's names, you have Luis Robert Jr., the White Sox big hitter. Adley Rutschman from Baltimore. Garcia, I'll watch it just to see how 
Adoles Garcia does, and also I'm a big uh, Flighty Guerrero Jr. guy. So Man. he's in it. First Mookie Betts, that'll be fun. Uh, Pete Alonso, who I believe he won it two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then Julio Rodriguez, who you mentioned earlier J- in this lo- show. Love me some J-Rod. Uh, yeah, I just remember, like, in the mid-'90s, there were some all-star games. Like, there was I mentioned the one at Camden Yards, but there was one, I want to say – Within two, there was an all star game. I remember one at, uh, I think it was at maybe Three Rivers. Yeah. Three Rivers, like in 94. I don't, I don't think there was one at Synergy Field in Cincinnati. What was the other, uh, cookie cutter ballpark I was thinking of? And they had one in San Diego, but that's not the one. Oh, Philadelphia in 96. It was either the one in Pittsburgh or the one in Philly where I remember Frank Thomas hit like a third deck shot in the home run derby. And I'm like, I don't even know if they measured it, but I'm like, dude, that had to be well over. It had to be close to 550. Like it was just to hit it to hit it to that point in those old cookie cutter stadiums, dude. That had those were bombs being yeah. hit. And like I said, dude, in the steroid era, man, just watching like Bonds and Sosa and McGuire just get up there and just just crank away, dude. It was. I loved the home run derby back then. That was appointment television for me. John in the Bay, Josh Hamilton's first around the old Yankee Stadium, so one of the all-time greatest home hey, run derby he, moments. What did he do? Was he like 20 in a row at Something one point? stupid. Yeah. And he didn't win, but I feel like he, he should have They gave him the trophy anyway. They should have just given him because the way that first round was, that was, yeah, that was incredible. Is jo- Josh Hamilton, man, not the way his career ended, there's not parallels, but Josh Hamilton, like to me, is to Major League Baseball in, in very different ways. Kind of what Ricky Williams is to to the NFL. Like you look at Ricky's career, right? And you say, man, can you imagine what Ricky would have done if he hadn't played? If, if he had if he hadn't missed those, what did he miss? Ricky ended up missing with two and a half, three years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I forget. I'm like, yeah, but he still ran for ten thousand yards. Yeah, it's not that many guys in the history of that game that have done that. Still a ten thousand yard back. I say, man, can you imagine if Josh Hamilton early on hadn't had to? Substance abuse problems and everything that he had and hadn't, you know, fizzled out at the end. Like, what what kind of career could Josh Hamilton have? Yeah. But still, it was pretty dang good. He was an MVP. He helped the Rangers get the two World Series. Like, the Josh Hamilton we saw might not have been the Josh Hamilton we should have got, but it was that version of Josh Hamilton was still really freaking good. That was the 08 home run derby. He had 28 bombs in the first round. 28. That most home runs in one Round of a home run derby. He ended up losing to Justin Marneau of the, of the Twins in the final in the final round. See, uh, Grant number two says the Vince Carter dunk contest. That was awesome. It yeah. was, and I remember watching that. I remember being on my couch watching that. Two things though, you forget how good Steve Francis was that night, and how good Tracy McGrady was that night. Those guys also did really good in that dunk contest. But I think Vince Carter ruined the dunk contest because after that, it's like, all right, what what else is there to see at yeah. this point? Yeah, no, it's that's that's my point with the Aaron Gordon Levine dunk contest. It's like since then, what have you seen? Like, unless the best way to make the home the home run derby, the best way to make the dunk contest exciting, Jeff, you need LeBron James. You got to go after some of the big names. Not the at thing this is, point, exactly, exactly. But when you have guys like who come in, like, do you remember who won the dunk contest last year? Uh, Mac McClung. Look at you. Does he play in the NBA roster? No, he's a G League guy. Sure, exciting for Mac McClung to win, but you don't have any big names in it because I don't know if athletes are just they don't want it. They're either afraid of failure on the big stage, they don't want to compete, whatever. But the only way to make the dunk contest more exciting 
is you got to get some of the big names to go and do it. Like, would you watch if LeBron James was in a dunk contest? You would watch, right? Yeah. If you're like, hey, LeBron James and Ja Morant are going to be in dunk contest, I'll watch. Yeah. But when you're like, hey, Mac McClung and some guy from the South Bay Lakers and the Rio Grande Valley Vipers is going to be in it. Why you got to disparage the South Bay Lakers? What they do to you? That's where McClung played for, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, no, it's yeah. I'm trying to think. It's like when I was a kid, there weren't. It wasn't like elite names were winning the dunk contest when I was a kid because I was. I started watching. Well, you mentioned the Vince Carter year. Dominique and, and MJ had done their thing, but no, I'm talking like. Cedric Sabalos won it one year. D. Brown won it one year. J.R. Ryder, Isaiah Ryder won it twice, maybe. Is there a Harold Minor year mixed in there? I think we're baby Jordan won a dunk contest. Kobe won it one year. And I think the year Kobe won it, that was probably the worst dunk contest ever. It was not. Like everybody missed their dunk. Michael Finley was in that one. I forget who all was in that one. I remember Michael Finley was in it. Um yeah, and then they, they canceled it in 98. They went to the two-ball competition, which was thrilling. Like watching paint dry. And then there was no All-Star game in 99. And then you have Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Steve Francis came out for the other. Honestly, Cam, you know, Jericho Sims was in the dunk contest this last year. Yeah. I think they got the wrong Longhorn. Kai Jones? I think Kai Jones would have been in the dunk contest. I think I think Kai would have put... A little nice little flair on it, nice little spin on it. He got some uh, he got some notoriety this over the weekend for that uh, poster, if you want to call it, on Web and Yama. Yeah, and his hair Wh- too. Whatever you want to call that. Oh, thank you, John of the Bay reminds me. Brent Barry won a dunk contest, so nice. Yeah, shout out to all the all the white guys out, aspiring white guy dunk contest participants. Hey, the one who won last year, Mac, Mac McClung. McClung. Yes, there is there is hope for you down the road. All right. Take a time out. Take Not a break. <laughs> what? Not for me. There's no hope for me to win it, but other white people, sure. No, you need to worry about eating a don't eat, winning a donut eating contest before you think about winning a dunk contest. That's you know, exactly about, why I'm not winning a dunk just contest. Just worry about dunking them donuts right in that coffee can and not worry about dunking basketballs. All right, take a break. Come back. Uh, Longhorn Notebook and our Flex Update on the other side here on Light the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app at hornfm.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Like the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. What we got to do to get Cameron's name on the uh, bump back sounder? Put your name on there, Cam. Uh, Craig is not here. Craig's still vacationing. He'll be back on Wednesday when we're at AT&T Stadium for the Texas leg of Big 12 Media Days Longhorns. Typically, Texas goes on a second day, but Texas going first, hitting leadoff of the Longhorns this year. Thank so, you, Brett. We appreciate it. Yeah. Nice, nice little parting gift on the way out. Um, you looking forward to next year, Cam, when it's SEC Media Days? Birmingham? I don't uh, – you know what? They've rotated that thing. Uh, I think it's in Atlanta now. now they did it in Ho- Birmingham or Hoover, wherever, for years. Uh, they've done it in Atlanta. Was they, they've done it in Nashville, maybe? 
That'd be fun. Atlanta or Nashville, I'd be down for. Birmingham, yeah, you know, that's where we'll be flying in for the Alabama game. I'm good with Birmingham. Who you knows? Know, maybe maybe the SEC tries to throw a middle finger to the Big 12 and do theirs at AT&T Stadium. I feel like that would piss off a lot of the teams on the East Coast, though. You think so? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're adding two, you're adding one Texas, you're adding one more Texas team. Yeah, let's just go to Texas. I mean, you're you're flying those guys in, though. Yeah, maybe. You know, I, I think it'll stay probably more central. Atlanta, Nashville, that makes sense. What about New Orleans? That'd be fun, yeah. right? Dangerous. All right. Um, nothing to segue there, too. Let's just get to our Flex update. <laughs> Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, I thought we were going to have MLB draft stuff to talk about, but Travis Acor is still on the board as we head into day two. Which, by the way, day two gets going about 90 minutes from now, at 1 o'clock. Cam, give me your best guess. Travis Acora is pitching for whom in 2024. Ooh, uh, not Texas. Okay. And there you have it. And uh, if Cameron is wrong, you can send your tweets to at Cameron D. Parker on Twitter. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other note real quick, Jeff. Um, FlexATX.com. We have our 2668 district preview up, courtesy, I believe, of Derek Cohen. Hey. Uh, so it's going to be a good year. Last year, you know, Westlake, Dripping Springs, uh, some great battles throughout the season lake travis uh kind of outside looking in for the first time in a while how does lake travis respond um a lot of movement around this district as well jeff uh interesting who's gonna be the, the top quarterbacks because austin novasad no longer at drip um who takes that next step up for westlake in lake travis i mean for westlake you know jack kaiser he had a great season heath mccree had a great season they're going to be coming up uh connor fosick the uh, younger brother of the other, Colton, who's on the 40 acres. And then for Dripping Springs, you know, you're losing Austin Novasad, but you're still bringing a lot of really key playmakers, Jeff, from last year. Uh, Kyle Cook, the receiver. Thompson Vickery on the linebacker spot. Jack Tyndall, uh, Luca Pacucci. So Dripping Springs still has the talent. Just, you know, what does their quarterback position look like? They still have great playmakers, running back receiver. Blake Travis, Caden Leone. Uh, he had some injuries last season, right? He missed, you know, what, the first two, three months of the season last year. That really hurt the Cavaliers' chances to uh, win that district. He'll be back. Uh, Sam Self will be back, a great tight end. Josiah Estes. And then Nico Hamilton, uh, the cousin or nephew, excuse me, of Mr. Hardball Harge. Uh, so Lake Travis, you know, do they have a bounce back here? When I say bounce back, I mean they finished third behind two of the best teams in the state. But, you know, are they back into that one or top two spots in the district and then the outside you know don't forget about anderson ed small he's back i was just fixing to bring them up i was gonna say if there's one if there's one team i want to make sure i get out to see this fall it's probably anderson because i want to see me some ed small yeah and ed small then max girl too the quarterback um so there there'll be a fun team to watch um you know and also peter johnson you know their their other programs basketball baseball you know since they moved up from five to six days you know they've become they've become contenders right in the district can they make that next step in football uh carson mcmullen comes back six foot two he'll be back ethan signs at receiver they got some good offensive linemen Caleb gomez warner Irwin, mason stock so 
they had that jump. Uh, Austin High, Bryson Bats, one of the best returners in, in the state. He's fun to watch. John Latham, the quarterback, he comes back for another year. So check out that district preview on FlexATX.com. And, yeah, uh, baseball-wise, Jeff, waiting to see what happens with Travis Sakura here today. There you have it. Thank you, Cam, for our Flex update. And shout-out to Dr. Eckert, all the folks associated with Brain Vault. All right, let's go ahead and get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. In case you missed it, happened pretty much right at the top of the show. Uh, Devin Pryor, three-star wing out of the Houston area, committed to Texas. He's a class of 2024 recruit, but he has reclassified and is a part of the signing class of 2023. So that's two high school recruits in 2023 for Rodney Terry and company. Pryor joins Chris Johnson out of Montverde Academy in Florida by way of Fort Bend Elkins. So a couple of Texas kids coming to the 40 acres. You've also got that big group of transfers, Caden Shedrick, Max Asmus, uh, Zarek Yema, Kendall Weaver, and Ethel Horton. I think I got everybody in there. It's hard to it's hard for yeah. I, I cover this stuff and it's hard for me to keep track of who's coming and who's going. So that's your roster. And we talked about Dylan Mitchell came in the first hour and just kind of wh- what his what his trajectory, what his potential rise can do for the ceiling of this roster. Where do you feel like the ceiling is for Texas right now? Because I feel like it's a team that I don't think it's got quite as high of a ceiling as last year's team, and they're going to need some time to come together. But I feel like this is a team that I could see getting into the second weekend of the tournament. I don't, I don't want to call them a Final Four contender. I don't want to say uh, you know they're a contender to win the Big 12 because you look at Kansas and some of these other rosters, what people are bringing back. Uh, Houston, obviously, with Kelvin Sampson and, and that team coming into the league. You know, they're able to compete with anybody in the country. But I do think it's a, it's a team that when they get into the tournament, if everything comes together the way it should, they should kind of be trending in the right direction by the time they get to March with a chance to be playing their best basketball in the NCAA tournament, which gives you a chance to get to the second weekend. And like I said earlier, man, if you just get to that second weekend, you get to that regional tournament, you, you've, you've got as good a chance as anybody to come out of that thing and get to the Final Four. So my thing with not being a Final Four team, I mean, San Diego State made it. True. FAU made it. Now, UConn, they were the ones that, you know, for a span there, for a stretch in January, February, when they were, they looked like one of the best teams in the country. I understand. So I think, you know, it's hard to know what the ceiling is for me, Jeff, because, like, how are these guys going to mesh together? The names are great. Shedrick, great player. Ace Miss, one of the best scorers in the country. You're bringing back Tyrese Hunter. But as you mentioned, also, you know, Dylan DeSue is a name that we haven't talked about a lot because of all these transfers coming in. Yeah. He might have been the best player for Texas in the tournament for a couple games, Jeff. I mean, oh, no, no his absence was, yeah. His absence was a lot bigger than I think Texas fans really understood with the way he was playing down the stretch. And I think he him getting healthy and Caden Shedrick getting healthy too. Uh, Shedrick had I think it was a shoulder issue at Virginia. Yeah. Uh and obviously dealing with the foot. Those guys are getting they're working on getting healthy right now. Uh so it's really when you know when the team has been in workouts really giving Zarek and Yemma a good chance to get himself acclimated. Uh it's giving Dylan Mitchell a chance to to get some work in. So uh you know, I, I I do like the potential that this team has, but I think twofold on you know what the this what the seed could look like and what the end product actually it's threefold, what the seed could look like and what the end product looks like and how long it takes this team to get going. Number one, the non conference schedule is gonna be much tougher this year than it has been either the last two years. Playing in New York, right? Especially when you look at that 2K Classic and UConn's in that. I think it's, U, it's UConn, Indiana, uh, and I forget who else is in there. But, yeah, it's 
you're going to face some serious, serious competition. Uh, and on top of that, you've also got your at Marquette for the yep. Big 12, Big East battle. So your non-conference schedule is going to be very, very good. And then your your conference schedule, I just mentioned it. You know, it's not the round robin anymore, but you figure Texas is going to play Houston at some point. So maybe your conference schedule, while maybe not as daunting for your conference games, you're still going to play a conference slate that is going to rival what anybody else in the country faces. And then the fact that you've got, you know, last year's team, that core group played together for a full year, and you really just added the couple of pieces that you needed. You brought in Tyrese Hunter. You had the two freshmen with Mitchell and Morris that could kind of blend themselves in. You didn't need them to step up like in some years Texas has needed freshmen to. The mix last year going into last year was just so good, and that's where really you like this team. That's where this team, I'm not sure about it, Cam. It's, it's going to take them some time to find that cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. It's going to take them some time to mesh. But I think once they do, the potential is there for them to be a second weekend type team. I think RT and the staff have done a really, really good job building this roster and getting it ready. Do you think he has to have a, a certain finish in the tournament this year for RT and his staff? I think I think anytime you get to the second, well, I think it's going to depend on what the body of work looks like, right? Like, let's say you won a Big 12 regular season championship, but you're out in the second round. Can you call that a bad year? Yeah. You know, um, if you don't win the conference, you don't win your conference tournament, but you're into the second weekend, I think fans will take that. Mm-hmm. I think if it's a combination of, you know, not being not being competitive in the Big 12 race, because you know, this last year in the regular season race, you were in it up until really kind of that penultimate weekend, right? You lost that, well, really until the last week. Because you lost that that late that midweek to TCU, it was a Tuesday or Wednesday you lost to TCU, and then you hosted Kansas. So, uh yeah, I, I would think it just depends on what the body of work looks like. I, I think RT getting to the the Elite Eight last year, I think for sure if you get to the second weekend, then it's you feel really good about where this thing is headed. But this program can be headed in the right direction depending on what the rest of it looks like. If you're you know you're out in the second round, I think as long as you just don't go one and done in the tournament, I, I, I think. I think you're you're in a good spot. Speaking of one and dones, uh, that Marquette game against Shaka Smart, that's going to be in December. So that's scary because you know Shaka and his teams like the peak, you know, around that November yeah. December area. Uh, that 2K Classic, UConn, Indiana, Louisville, Louisville, okay, the three teams who was that, awful last year. And I think you only play two of the three, mm-hmm. if I understand that format. Yeah, Louisville was tough last year. Indiana is the um, are we back yet of Texas in terms of college basketball? In, Indiana basketball is the Texas football equivalent. Yeah. Literally. Has to be, right? And then UConn, of course, the reigning national champion. I would think Texas has won a football national title more recently than IU's won a basketball title. But, yeah, that's, that's – I told you I like to make those – like to make those So you're saying maybe Indiana is a Nebraska? Ooh. What, what Nebraska is in college football is what Indiana is in college basketball. Indi- no, Indiana, Indiana basketball to me is more like Notre Dame football. Hmm. Like they, their, their peak is as good as anybody else's peak. It's just been a really long time since they were at the peak. Yeah. Because the last time Indiana was, I mean, that's what it's. I mean, there were some times after Bob Knight, right? But uh, they made a Final Four in 0-2 with Mike 0-2. Davis. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. 
That was a Maryland. Uh, Maryland was in that Final Four. Oklahoma was in that Final Four. No, somebody else I'm forgetting. But yeah, they've 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 made a Final Four in in my. They made two uh, two Final Fours that I can remember. They were in that '92 Final Four. They played Duke in the semifinals. It was Duke, Indiana, Cincinnati. Michigan. To kind of bring it full circle, can make a Bob, Bob Huggins reference. Bob Huggins got that Cincinnati team to the Final Four. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that was Corey Blunt and Nick Van Exel leading that Cincinnati team. Van Exel, man. Nick the Quick, man. Nick Van Exel could go back in the day, man. Former Maverick, great. You, you looking at something, Cam, or are you good? Well, speaking of Longhorn Notebook, um, a quick little volleyball update as well. They, volleyball? They they topped the 2023 preseason Big 12 poll, which is uh, no surprise. But, you know, Jared Elliott, he's done a great job rebuilding in the portal, which is uh, probably a statement you're going to hear a lot from now on in terms of college athletics is rebuilding through the portal and doing a great job. You're going to have a good team. Uh, John in the Bay, thank you for reminding me that uh, Bob Sura was in the worst dunk contest ever with uh, with Kobe Bryant the year that Kobe won it. Uh, non-degenerate Spurs fan thanked me for the recommendation of Taste on Main. I uh, had it Saturday night, and it was amazing. Actually, you can thank Travis Tindall, Ray City Store, and his crew for opening that fine, fine establishment. And we'll be seeing Travis as uh, soon as maybe tomorrow night in Arlington for the Big 12 Media Days. Yeah. Hey, we haven't given away. Oh, Dan, no, that Danny Fortson, John, that was uh, – Danny Fortson was a little bit later in the decade. I don't think he was on that uh, – I don't think he was on that Final Four team. A Tom Emily Wolf fan. Indiana was a one seed in 14 or 16. Yes, with uh, Tom Crean. Tom, there was a – talk to Indiana basketball fans, Cam. There was a kind of a – like a Tom Herman type vibe to an extent with Tom Crean. Not not that he was a bad coach, but just kind of a little bit full of himself. In over his skis a bit. kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. Uh, that that led to his ouster maybe – before, because Tom Tom Crean, it's not like his old tenure at IU was terrible. Mm-hmm. So then I guess that would make Archie Miller like IU's Charlie Strong. I guess I don't know. It's, they down and did it in reverse. You want to tie them into Texas football? CB points out that yes, Marquette is a projected top two, top three type team going into the year. Uh, Texture pointed out we have not given away our copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I'll tell you what, we'll do that during the break, and we'll get, we'll take that break right now. Uh, how about we take? Caller number, well, let's make it a quickie. Let's see how fast you guys are. Let's do caller number three on the hotline. Give them that hotline number, Cam. 512-447-3776. Caller number three right now, 447-3776. What a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We'll come back, wrap up this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. All right, getting ready to wrap up this edition of Light the Tower. My daughter stopped watching The Little Mermaid for a second to come over here. Charlotte, you want to say anything to the listeners? Just want to say hello to everybody. Just say, just say hello, Austin. Hello, Austin. There you go. Thank you, Bug. I appreciate your contributions today. Cam, I appreciate your contributions every day. Yes, sir. Uh, again, we will be here tomorrow. Uh, playing a good show. Actually, Cam and I were just doing a little show prep for tomorrow just now during the break so uh kind of a media days preview if you will yeah i was wanting to get to this and i'm gonna read this i I did not again i think the big 12 is treating me like the nfl treats the ticket like they don't give me a ballot anymore for media days i don't get i don't get one sent to me but 
I did send in a ballot. Uh, I was required to as a Big 12 site publisher and writer to Brandon Marcello, our national college football reporter at 24-7 Sports. Um, I'll link that up at Horns 24-7 when I get a chance this afternoon. I want to see what that poll looks like. All the Big 12 writers, and I think we've got sites for all 14 schools in the Big 12. Uh, what what did th- what do we think, we being the 24-7 sports crew, think the Big 12 looks like? Uh, I want to get see what everybody's opinions are. We'll break down that piece tomorrow before we get to uh, before we get to Arlington on Wednesday. Again, Cameron, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. We appreciate your feedback on the Specs text line today. Uh, that text line will be open for Chad and Zay three three seven three seven seven six. You know, let the guys know anything what's going on. I know Chad likes to have a question of the day or whatever. Um, as we do, uh, and, you know, again, our, our usual texters, man, big crit fan, John in the Bay, uh, you know, Stoner, Bizarro, Dale Dudley, Tom Emily Wolf fan, CB. Thank y'all so much for your support and being a part of the show. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Cam, what you got going on the rest of the day? Not sure. Some summer league action tonight. Let me catch a couple games. Maybe play a little pickup. Uh, we'll got see. The, got that draft tracker going. Let's see where Travis. Yeah, see where, where Travis goes. Excited for that. And excited for Big Twelve Media Days. Going to be uh, brewing up some more content as well. Longhorn baseball fans, this is the day. Be a little bit nervous. Right around one p.m., yeah. that pucker factor is going to kick in. I said, just grab you some tums and enjoy the ride. Uh, we're going to enjoy the ride as we pass the baton to Chad and Zay. They will take you the rest of the way up until 3 o'clock when they pass the baton to the ball don't like. But until tomorrow, for the vacation in Craig Way, for Cameron Parker behind the glass, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back tomorrow to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital, on the horn app and at hornfm.com.